I think there's life after this life. I really believe that. A human being is the only animal that's been able to conceive of that fantastic, immense, infinite possibility. TV evangelist Robert Schuller. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. On this Easter weekend, I wanted to share with you one of the conversations I had over the years with one of the most popular television evangelists of his time, Reverend Robert Schuler, the creator of the Hour of Power, the driving force behind construction of the Crystal Cathedral in Garden Grove, California. Well, in 1992, we met for an interview about a book that had been actually written about him by his son-in-law, James Penner, a book called Goliath. So here now, from 1992, Reverend Robert Schuler. This is, I think, a more comprehensive picture of any uh, prominent evangelist that I've ever seen before. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love your laugh. Well, I think you know we, we, we've heard the, 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 the we've seen the, the tell-all books about Jim and Tammy, but that yeah, doesn't really yeah. tell me what I want to know. And, and this is a, a very personal book in a way. Very personal. I mean, Callie, he tells true stories of some of the. Simple little things that happen to be, uh, they're not profound. They're just very simple and very human. Funny, in some cases. And in some cases, not so funny. In some cases, no. in other words, if we didn't know at the outset of the book that it has a happy ending, that you're sitting here in front of me right now, living and breathing, it, uh, the front of the book has a very ominous tone to it. Yes, it is. It must have been a very, very difficult time for you. I did not agree with him on the title, Goliath, when he told me, that was the title. But I promised him whole, total access, unob, unobstructed uh, support. And when he told me the title, I shook my head and I said, I'm no Goliath. That's a negative title. That's an, I've never even preached a sermon on David and Goliath in my whole life. And I've been a preacher 42 years. He said, well, that's what it's going to be. And I didn't read the copy until it came out in hardcover. I came back a week ago maybe 10 days ago from Moscow, there was a hard copy. I saw it for the first time, read it for the first time. I opened it to page one. I wasn't interested in reading it. I thought it would bore me. But he writes, he makes a novel out of it. It reads like a novel. Almost all conversational and dialogue, dramatic, fast-moving. I got to the b bottom of page three, and suddenly I erupted. I wept and I wept and I wept. That's where uh, the reader is introduced for the first time to the Goliath that Robert Schuller faced. And that is the story of my life. I have faced Goliaths one after another. And so is every listener to this program. It, this may be a, a dumb question then, but what gives you strength to continue facing Goliath? I think only one word, integrity. Not courage. I don't claim to have courage. Not intelligence. I, lots of people smarter than I am. But integrity that I have. That's, I think, because I was born and raised on an Iowa farm. And, uh, by golly, on an Iowa farm that's run by Dutch people in a Dutch colony, there is no room for bull throwing. There is no time and place for, uh, lying. You, Take your eggs and you sell them in town. If you try to sell off rotten eggs, 
They've got your number. The Dutch farmers in Iowa, where I was raised, never rented their farms. They all owned them. That meant they lived there. They would die there. Their children would take over the farm. The community was small, and if you didn't have total integrity, you'd be exposed, and you'd be run out of town. And I have done what I've done in again and again in life, whether it's writing a book or building a church or opening a television ministry. I've done what I've done, what I've done, what I've done, because I had to do it. I could not look myself in the in the eye and look God in the eye and try to turn problems into excuses for not doing what I had to do. There was only one question that I had that didn't seem readily answered, and maybe I've, I missed it somewhere else in the book. When, at what age did you realize you wanted to be a minister? The age of four years and 11 months, my earliest childhood recollection. My mother's brother graduated from Princeton Seminary, went to China as a missionary with a Presbyterian Reformed colony, came back, and I was born in his absence. He looked at me, said, so you're Robert, are you? Well, you're going to be a preacher when you grow up. And I said, oh. That's when I got my calling, and that night I added a little line to the prayer, Now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep, and make me a preacher when I grow up, and dear God, make me a good one. So I've been praying since four years and 11 months. And you know, that that did something very important to me. Uh, I said the next morning at breakfast, I'm going to be a preacher when I grow up. And uh, my dad cried. He didn't tell me why. I found out. 22 years later when I graduated, why he cried. He was orphaned when he was in the sixth grade, had to abandon his childhood call to become a minister. And so he prayed, God, that's okay. Just give me a son who can be that minister. His first child was a daughter. His second child was a son who loved the farm and never attended school outside the eighth grade. Another daughter, another daughter. Then mom reached an age when she shouldn't have children. Then all of a sudden she got pregnant again. It was a boy. I was born. And my father secretly dedicated me to the Lord, but didn't tell anybody. And then the miracle. My goodness. In your telling of it, it almost does sound like a miracle. (laughs) And he didn't tell me uh, until I graduated from theological school. <clears throat> so as not to taint your thinking along right. the way. But when I said as a child, <clears throat> what do I have to do to become a preacher? I was told, well, we belong to the Dutch Reformed Church that's very strict. <clears throat> you'll have to graduate from high school. Then you'll have to graduate from a university, four years. Then you'll have to graduate from uh, theological school. That's another graduate three years. I said, oh, so guess what? I had a eight, twelve. 16, 19-year plan, all set. There are not many people that have their first 20-year plan laid out for them when they get to be five years old. (laughs) You know what that did to me? Years later, I would go to California because Dr. Peel asked me to start a church. Two members, my wife and I. Well, I began to think, 20 years, the next 20 years, what can I do? What if I double it? Forty years, what can I do? I grew up with a 20-year look, then a 40-year look. And I tell people, I'm a great success, but I start small and think tall. Very tall. I've I've got a picture of myself and my family in front of the Crystal Cathedral, 
which is, uh, I think, as much a, a tourist draw as Disneyland and Knott's Berry Farm if you're out in that part of the country. But it's you couldn't have had a vision like that at such an early age. No. But when but when you when you begin to build on a success and be, begin to build not success in the material sense that we think of success and riches and possessions, but success in what you've chosen to do for a living and what you've chosen your your calling. Is a crystal cathedral the next logical step in your thinking? You know, Alexander uh, Whitehead said something very profound. He said, great dreams of great dreamers are never fulfilled. They are always transcended. Gosh, today the Hour of Power remains the oldest, longest-running Christian church service on television in the United States and for that matter in the world. And last Sunday we taped our 1,187th program. And uh, we're in our 23rd year. And, uh, but again, start small, think tall. But I never expected we'd be the, we'd have the largest audience, which we do, or that we would be today in 50 countries. Every Sunday, you could hear me in one of seven languages, Russian, German, Dutch, Swedish, <laughs> Spanish, or uh, Japanese, or uh, English. Uh, I may have forgotten one or two, but the, that impresses me. I'm impressed with that. <laughs> I'm impressed because I didn't plan it that way. It's the way things were offered to me. At what point in your life do you have to be careful, though, that what you are doing and what you plan to do is still for the glory of God and not for the glory of you or the glory of the Hour of Power Incorporated. Well, I think I've reached a size because we're the largest in America, the longest running, and and the only global televised church service. Only impression multiplied tens of millions of people will have about Christianity will be this television program. That'll be the only impression they have. Since we have become so big, I cannot possess it in solitary ownership anymore because the impression I leave is going to affect Catholics. It's going to affect the Orthodox. It's going to affect the Baptists and the Episcopalians and the Lutherans and the Charismatics and the Pentecostals. So I have given it, ownership of it, in fact, to a body that's much bigger than I am. If I died today, it wouldn't be the voice of Robert Schuler's. It would be what we claim it to be right now, brought to you by, we say, churches uniting in global mission. And we have, uh, in that new movement, and I was invited to join it, I didn't set it up, I was invited to join uh, these churches that are Catholic and Protestant and Reformed. and <laughs> They're all different forms of Christianity, but they all respect Jesus Christ, and they all respect the Holy Bible, and they all respect the Ten Commandments, and they all respect classic Judeo-Christian morality. And none of them are churches that are trying to get attention by doing something weird and crazy, just trying to help people. This is now the voice Churches uniting in global mission. We say at the end of it, go to a local church and find the faith.
many people will be curious to to know if a lifetime of working for the Lord prepares you any better than any person any other person's occupation or or choice of how to lead a life for when you are faced with the possibility of your own death if you're laying in a hospital bed are you more prepared are you less afraid than we would be i don't think so i don't think i'm more prepared than anybody else who uh who's made a commitment to jesus christ People say to me, but is it possible to be saved or is it possible to know you're going to heaven or is it possible to enter eternity without fear, whatever is out there? Is this possible without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? My answer is, I don't know. That's where I am. And I can tell you, for me, it gives me peace. (laughs) Because... One of the sentences Jesus said that touched me so deeply was, he said, anybody who comes to me, I will never let out. And that means he's gone through death. He's had the experience. I haven't. And so I think that, I think there's life after this life. I really believe that. The human being is the only animal that's been able to conceive of that fantastic, immense, infinite possibility. What an incredible creative concept. And incredible human creativity almost always is scientifically reality. So I believe in it. And I don't know what's out there, but I know that the person I love more than anybody else had the experience. And when I step in there, it's like going into another country through passports, through customs, through immigration. I've got a friend holding my name up here. Hey, Schuler, waiting for you. Hey, Jesus, hi. <laughs> oh, sorry, but that's maybe too pious for you. Maybe it's too evangelistic, but it's my heart. Reverend Robert Schuler died five years ago this month. He was 88. Reverend Schuler's Crystal Cathedral Ministries went bankrupt in 2010. And in 2012, the iconic Crystal Cathedral was sold to the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, and today it serves as the seat of that diocese. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, the man who created a better vacuum cleaner and who is now building thousands of ventilators in response to the coronavirus pandemic. My 2004 interview with James Dyson. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Bill Thompson.